All right, it's a big-time win for the New Orleans Pelicans as they topped the number one seed in the Western Conference with a victory over the Clippers. It was a balanced effort, but you saw Zion Williamson close the game out. Let's break down what we saw, plus even more trade rumors for the Pelicans in the lead-up to Thursday's NBA trade deadline. We're going to make sense of all of it here in a live episode of Locked On Pelicans. Let's go. are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with y'all on a Thursday. Technically, we're live late on Wednesday night after the Pelicans beat the Los Angeles Clippers, the then number one team in the Western Conference, 117-106. Clippers not going to be number one anymore after this loss. On the road, start of a four-game road trip, big-time victory. You saw the star players have a balanced scoring effort in this one, saw some great defense. We're going to break it all down, plus the newest batch of trade rumors around the Pelicans, because there are more. And of course, thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We are here, the number one Pelicans podcast every single day, breaking down what we see on the court, the trade rumors, making sense of everything going on around this team. That was a fun victory. So be sure to become an everydayer if you're not already. If you are an everydayer, let me know in the comments. I'm looking at them right now. We might even do a little bit of a bonus segment for a couple of minutes after we do the main show here. Hang out with y'all after this very big and impressive win for the Pelicans. Today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first time deposit match up to $100. Okay, so the Pelicans getting a massive, massive win over the Los Angeles Clippers. Look, there's going to be people who try and discredit this win, right? That first game back after a long road trip, which the Clippers were on on the East Coast, is actually tough. It can be very much a trap game for many of these home teams. The Pelicans faced that against the Utah Jazz. You know what they did? They put up a record number of points in that game. After a long road trip coming back, or maybe it was Charlotte, whatever it was, they crushed the opponent. So there's no real excuse for not getting it done at home. For a Pelicans team that has maybe struggled a little bit against some of the top teams in the Western Conference to come out and get the win over this Clippers team was very impressive. They came out with the right kind of energy. They were flying around on defense. They were working in tune, in rhythm, offensively. Guys were just straight up stepping up. It's exactly what you want to see from this team. For a team that's had questions around, say, their energy level, kind of readiness, preparedness, at times chemistry, even though that's BS, they they quiet all of that down with this victory here. This is an impressive win, and it doesn't matter if people try and discredit anything like that. This was a game that the Pelicans took to the Clippers, and the Clippers did not respond, but you got to take it to them in the first place, and the Pelicans did. You saw balanced scoring in this one, right? 
it was Brandon Ingram early, then Trey Murphy in the first quarter. CJ McCollum was consistently hitting shots, hitting threes throughout all of this one. And then Zion came alive in the fourth quarter. I don't have the fourth quarter numbers yet because it hasn't updated on the NBA stats website. But if someone could tell me in the chat how many points Zion scored in the fourth, that would be great. But he had a quiet game. And on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, I posted, uh, I said, you know, I posed a question here of what did you think of Zion's first half? Everyone liked that he was active on defense, and he was. He was trying. That's some of the best, like, individual one-on-one defense we've seen from him in a while. When he commits on that side of the ball, he can be useful there. But it was also, like, eh, we're running the offense through him. They were going point Zion a lot, and it was generating open looks for teammates, but at a certain point, you'd want him to just be a little bit more aggressive. He was far too passive, I thought, in the first half. In the second half, he started to come alive here, and then I think you really saw him get aggressive, start going, and then just take over the game. And that's what you wanted to see. He realized that he was unstoppable. Someone says he thinks they uh, Zion had 13 in the fourth. That's how you close a game out. He realized that the Clippers couldn't do a thing to stop him, and he was getting some space because CJ was hitting shots. Others were doing their job here. Even Brandon Ingram was kind of taking threes. Took four. It's better than the two we were kind of expecting after something like this. So for him to go out and just dominate the game and slam that door shut on the Clippers, I thought was really tremendous, and it's the main reason they won this game. When your star player's playing like that, look at how easy things were for C.J. McCollum. C.J. had 25 points. He was the game high for the Pelicans in this one. You know, he was actually the game high overall for both teams. He looked great. You had Herb Jones hitting some threes, hitting his shots, right? You had Brandon Ingram getting into his spots, taking his shots again in rhythm. He finished with 15 points, six assists, eight rebounds. That's a real good stat line. Zion, 21, 10 assists here, was fantastic. Starting to get a little bit more active on the glass, which was important. He had a big-time offensive rebound of his own miss, put it back up, scored. You want your star players to carry you down the stretch. For a team that has had some trouble closing out games, particularly against good teams here, where there were questions about where do they kind of fit in the Western Conference hierarchy to see Zion take over a quarter like that and just go and do his thing and slam the door shut on the Clippers is exactly what you wanted to see. This was the Pelicans answering a question here, right? I see it's Alexander Newcomb says, CJ is a dog, most consistent player we have. Like, yeah, he was great in this game too. I really thought everyone played well. Once Zion in came alive and just decided to go to the rim and score that way, 21 points on 16 shots is very good efficiency right there. You're going to be pretty happy with that kind of performance from him. You know, this is why the right players getting the right kind of shots is important. You know, we've seen the Pelicans not shoot enough threes. And it's not if they take 40 more threes, they win games. There's not a target number. I go on WWL and Bobby Aber asked me this the other time I was on. What's the magic number? It's not a number. They took 32 threes in this game and they still won the game and kind of won it handily, right? It's 11 point victory, but really for midway through the fourth quarter, it was like 15 to 16 points that they were just leading by, right? They had a 17 point lead in this game. They looked sharp. They led wire to wire. The Clippers just never had anything. And when the Clippers would go on runs, the Pelicans would answer. This says a lot about the team here. They can win in a variety of different ways, but when CJ's taking 11 threes, when uh, Trey Murphy is taking eight threes, when Herb Jones goes two of three, you can get by, even with Brandon Ingram taking four, but you'd like that number to be up a little bit. 
But in a win like this, you're not going to complain that much about how everyone played. And it was just a strong all around performance here. So let's get into some of the other guys because the defense was excellent. Herb Jones was a monster in this game. Dyson Daniels was fantastic. Larry Nance Jr. was great. Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson. I want to look at that and talk about their performances here in this game. We maybe have a bit of an update on Jonas Valanciunas. Notice Najee Marshall, I don't think, played a single minute in this game, and that's kind of surprising to see. So all of those things we want to take a look at and talk about because that's kind of surprising, unless I missed something with Najee Marshall, which maybe I did. Um because he's listed as inactive, which was a little surprising. Maybe I missed something with him here. But yeah, good performances all around. Let's talk about the defense, everything else coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Right now, I'm excited to tell you about Nissan. Are you the kind of driver that likes to push things a little further? Ever wonder what adventures could be around the next corner? Our friends at Nissan have a lineup of SUVs with the capabilities to take your adventure to the next level. The 2024 Nissan Rogue is the per- is perfect for city drivers and great escapes. Class-exclusive Google built-in is all- your always-updating assistant to call on for almost anything, and gone are the days of connecting your phone. Google Assistant, Google Maps, Google Play Store are all built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system. The 2024 Nissan Rogue is a perfect midsize crossover for your next adventure. There's also the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder, part of Nissan's incredible lineup. Has room for up to eight, an expansive cargo capacity, and advanced available 4x4 capability. With 284 horsepower and up to 6,000 pounds of towing, when adventure calls, the Pathfinder is there to answer. So take the Nissan Nissan Rogue, the Nissan Pathfinder, or the Nissan Armada, and go find your next big adventure. Shop NissanUSA.com. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We are here Monday through Friday breaking down everything you want to know about this team, including the big victories like this one over the Los Angeles Clippers. They were the number one team in the West. They're not anymore after this loss at the hands of the New Orleans Pelicans with everyone really contributing and really stepping up for this team. It was great performance, a good win. Don't take anything away for from the Pelicans here. So love to see what they did on this one. Not an easy win to go and get, and they delivered in this one. And we're going to get into some trade rumors in the third segment of today's show. There's even more. So the trade deadline is fast approaching. It's literally like 12 hours from now or so. And Locked On Fantasy Basketball is your place for live reaction Thursday at uh, noon uh, Central. Subscribe to Locked On Fantasy Basketball on YouTube today so you don't miss Josh Lloyd the GOAT breaking down every NBA trade with analysis and insight you can only get from Locked On Fantasy Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day day and of course become an everyday or to locked on pelicans listen monday through friday we are the number one pelicans podcast breaking down everything you want to know trade rumors the win like this was a great performance all around so let's get back to the pelicans victory over the los angeles clippers 117 106 here the defense was good the defense in this one was good and again there's some sluggishness to the clippers probably their bodies being on east coast time that's true but look Kawhi Leonard was held to just 15 points. He's been excellent. Paul George was 3 of 15 for just 7 points. You could argue it's one of the worst performances of his career, I would assume. I would assume that's 
absolutely one of the worst performances he's had. James Harden was good, 19 points. He was efficient there. But by and large, the Pelicans really limited the Clippers. They do what they do and played good defense on the perimeter, didn't let them get inside nearly as much as they would have liked to do, forced them into bad shots, and it's why they won the points in the paint battle 54-38. to 38. And That's a significant, significant improvement right there. The clip, they also forced 19 turnovers on the Clippers, led to 20 fast break points. So the Pelicans were winning almost basically like every area you could possibly want. The only real downside or, or negative I saw from the Pelicans in this game, other than a few nitpicky things, was like at one point turnovers kind of crept up at the end of the first half. Then they ironed that out, and this team just kind of cruised again to a wire-to-wire victory over the number one team, the former, we should say, number one team in the Western Conference. Herb Jones was an absolute monster in this game, in my opinion. He looked so good. He doesn't have a steal or a block, but his defense was outstanding. He rises to the occasions, and if this isn't the year that he gets on the all-defensive team, like if he doesn't, I, I don't know what's going on there. He, he will, it will have been wrong. Straight up, it would have been wrong. He was that good in this game. He was outstanding and going out and playing so hard and was key for why those two, three best players for the Los Angeles Clippers really struggled. He plays well against those guys for the most part. You know, you saw a number of different players on Kawhi Leonard. You saw Brandon Ingram guard him. You saw Zion Williamson guard him. You saw Herb Jones guard him too. And Dyson Daniels. And they just were just a terror in this one, right? Dyson Daniels had four steals and two blocks off the bench. You know, as we talk trade rumors, there might be teams that want Dyson Daniels in there, but if you can get out and get 20 points in the fast break and force 19 turnovers, that seems like a piece that you probably want to keep on this team, especially if he can get some offense developing here. But it's also why you can get away with playing Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, Jonas Valanciunas, where they aren't known as good defenders yet you still have a good defense because of the exceptional play from Herb Jones and Dyson Daniels. One of those guys can be on the court at any given time. That is a nightmare for opponents, I think. And so keeping those guys, I think is going to be kind of key. Obviously, Herb Jones isn't going anywhere. You know, for the right deal, maybe they would include him in a trade. Sure. But you're not just looking to part with Herb Jones. He's that good and he's on that good of a contract. And when Dyson comes in again with four steals, two assists, if he could just generate a little bit of offense here. And look, off the bench, he had 10 points. I don't hate those numbers from him, right? You know, four rebounds. He's got good size, elite defense. That's a guy that can become a a difference maker here. And it just means you have a good defender on the court every single moment of the game. And that was exactly what you want to see from these guys. They're they're just stepping up in kind of one of the biggest games, right? The Pelicans have seemed, you know, at times allergic to big-time games, big-time performances here, and they didn't in this one, right? They, again, led wire to wire, and this was their depth shining through. So that's, I think, a big part of why they won the defense. Willie Green said after the first quarter, they're like, what's the key to getting a win? And he's like, well, we got to keep playing defense. If they can keep forcing turnovers like that and disrupting opponents' best players who have played really well, right? Kawhi Leonard is going to start to be in the MVP conversation if he's not already in there, especially with the Joel Embiid injury. And he just had a not good game against this team. You know, if you get into a playoff series with this team, you know, who beat New Orleans pretty badly in New Orleans, I think 
you could still maybe get a victory here because you have guys like Dyson Daniels and Herb Jones that are so disruptive that seem to be not not quite kryptonite for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, but we've seen this before. Right, We've seen Kawhi Leonard, when he's been on the Clippers, have poor games against New Orleans because of the defense that they throw out there. So it's been just some very good performances there. And, you know, I loved seeing both those guys step up. Makes you reconsider whether Dyson Daniels, Herb Jones won't be in a trade. Dyson Daniels could be. After a performance like this, you want to trade him? I don't want to trade him. He looked that good in this one. Uh, Another guy who also looked pretty good was Larry Nance Jr. You know, he looked at times like a point forward for this team, dishing the ball, particularly in the first half. You know, Jonas Valanciunas only played 10 minutes, 10 and a half minutes in this game. He left with a calf contusion, didn't return in the second half. Larry Nance Jr. really stepped up off the bench. He was a plus of 13. They won his minutes out there. He had a couple of really strong rebounds. He was active on the defensive side of the ball, fighting for things, giving us that hustle we wanted to see. You know, he didn't really score, but didn't need to in this game and was deferring and just being part of the flow, part of the offense, right? This is the depth of the Pelicans shining through. It works around the star players so well. And then you have Trey Murphy, who also looks great, particularly in that first quarter, 11 of his 13 points. Like to see a little bit more consistency coming back to him. But look, the fact that he kind of broke out, woke up in that quarter, I think makes teams very scared about what he could become and just adds another piece for the Pelicans that they really need as they look to try and build offensively on things. You're going to be good defensively with one of Herb Jones and Dyson Daniels out there. Leaning more in on offense is the way to keep pressure on opponents. They did it, particularly with Zion closing the game out. He had space to work in that fourth quarter that's rare it shows all of the pieces out around him were exactly what you needed led to a good performance jose being a spark plug off the bench giving you some offense as well love to see it from him just a great performance all around like this was a very strong win for the new orleans pelicans don't let anyone take away from them and say this was the clippers being tired yes there's some of that but absolutely um this was the pelicans won this game so love seeing that from them let's get into trade talks a little bit because there's more trade rumors we're about 12 hours away from the nba's trade deadline then we'll stay live for maybe another 15 minutes after here on youtube only and answer some of your questions interact with the chat because there's a lot of y'all in here so save your questions coming up for kind of a bonus fourth segment here let's talk trade rumors and all of that coming up here next in today's episode of locked on pelicans Right now, though, I'm excited to tell you about PrizePix because PrizePix is America's number one fantasy sports app with over 3 million members. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS because it's just you against the numbers. You pick more or less on the stat projection for two to six players and you watch the winnings roll in. So prize picks is super simple. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer an injury insurance policy here. If you have a basketball player that exits the game in the first half, doesn't return in the second, that player's projection won't count against you and the rest of your entry stays alive. So prize picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. 
policy. And they offer weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday each Tuesday. Discounts on select players up to 25% gives you even more value. And PrizePix now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this basketball season. So if you want to get in on the action, go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA. Use code LockedOnNBA, all lowercase, for a first deposit match up to $100. It's up to $100 as a first-time deposit match when you go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA. PrizePix, it's daily fantasy sports made easy. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We are here Monday through Friday, the number one Pelicans podcast, breaking down everything you want to know, whether it's trade rumors, which we're about to get into, the big wins, the X's and O's, the rationale, the rotations, all that stuff. We cover it all here. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Become an everyday or listen Monday through Friday to the Locked On Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And do me a favor. Tell one friend about the show. Tell one friend about the show. Let's grow the show. This team is fun. They're going to be competitive all season long. There might even be a bunch of news to talk about tomorrow. We'll see. So make sure to tell a friend so they know what's going on around this team. For your second listen today, it's a channel I want you to go to. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube, and now you can also find it on Amazon Fire TV. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Find Locked On Sports Today, the, the Locked On Sports Today channel now on Amazon Fire TV. So let's get into the latest trade rumors around the Pelicans here. We, uh... Got a bunch of updates. Nothing that's like hugely surprising, but I think I can lend a little bit of insight into certain things here. So first and foremost, they still are, and most of this comes from Jake Fisher of Yahoo in a notebook that he just recently uh, published today, right? So first and foremost, they said they're looking to upgrade the center position. They had reached out to the Cavaliers about Jared Allen and saying, Cavaliers are not trading Jared Allen or Evan Mobley. Nothing like that's going to happen here. Don't expect either of those two to come to New Orleans. Sounds like they also had called the Orlando Magic about Wendell Carter Jr. We had listed him here as a potential trade target. That makes a lot of sense, but sounds like the Orlando Magic aren't looking to move him. Again, Wendell Carter Jr. is a downgrade from Jonas Valanciunas, but if you listen to yesterday's show, as we kind of did a uh, trade deadline primer, it really was, I think, mainly because he's under contract multiple years, and it gives the Pelicans kind of some security there, because Jonas Valanciunas is out of contract to the end of this season. You know, it sounds like they'd also been in touch, or it's not sounds like, they. it's been reported that they've also been in touch with the Atlanta Hawks on two different fronts here. First and foremost, it was Clint Capella, Anyeka Okongwu, uh, their centers. Capella would be fine. Capella would be fine. Okongwu bringing him in, you know, as a young guy, you know, former first-round pick, high draft pick, hasn't really developed, hasn't ever been a starter. Bringing him in, he would definitely be a downgrade. Capella's around the level, could be around the level of JV just in terms of impact. But Okongwu is definitely a downgrade. He's younger. He's cheaper. That's kind of what you're looking for. He's under contract, I think, for another year or two. Doesn't really excite me. I don't think that would be the right move, but you can see maybe the Pelicans are getting like slightly desperate when it comes to trying to find a center position and figure something out. If you're not going to get Miles Turner, if you're not going to get Jared Allen, those are the two that you would really, really like that make a ton of sense. And it doesn't sound like those are options whatsoever for the New Orleans Pelicans. 
you got to go and do something. And that's what they're trying to figure out. A Kongwu signed a big extension, not a big extension after this year. He makes $14 million next year, 15 after that, 16.12, then 16.88. It's not great for the production that he gives because I don't think he's been particularly good. Now, the, we'll get to the other part of the Atlanta side of things here in a second. There was one other name listed in there that the Pelicans had reached out to the Detroit Pistons about not Jalen Duran. You're not going to pry him away from there, but Isaiah Stewart. Beef Stew, one of the better nicknames, I think, in the league. I like the idea of this in theory. He's out injured right now, so that's obviously not ideal, and he's having a bit of a down year for him. He's having probably, you know, a worse year compared to last year for the Pistons, not being nearly as impactful and his per 36 minute numbers are like basically the worst of his career, more or less. He's not shooting particularly as efficiently as he has at times. You know, there's moments when he looks like he could be a good three point shooter. That's there. But for whatever reason, the numbers just kind of are down because he's not taking as many shots, which I kind of like, but it is a concern that the production is down. Here's the thing with beef stew. Isaiah Stewart. It sounds great in theory, but he's undersized. He's 6'8". He's 6'8". He's undersized, and he's not nearly as strong of a rebounder as Jonas Valanciunas is. He's about, let me compare his rebounding numbers to Larry Nance Jr. Again, if you're going to trade away Jonas Valanciunas, don't do it for a player that's like Larry Nance Jr. who's already on your team. So Isaiah Stewart is actually a worse defensive rebounder than Larry Nance Jr. is. I just don't see that guy being the answer if his numbers in the one area you really need him to do are worse. He's not bad at blocking shots. You know, he's, I wouldn't call him a rim protector, certainly. He's not horrible at all of that, but he's definitely not like elite at that or anything. His numbers are right in line with Larry Nance Jr. So I don't know if Isaiah Stewart, unless you just want to go with him and Larry as your centers, but at that point, it just doesn't feel like you need to trade picks or other things like that to bring in a player that like, to me is a downgrade. If you get rid of Larry, yeah, bring in Isaiah Stewart. That's where we kind of stand with a lot of the rumors other than one that is surprising, but like not surprising. And that goes back to the Atlanta Hawks. So let's talk about Deontay Murray. You know, this is the rumor to be the big trade piece, right? Atlanta is disappointing. They need to do something. They traded a bunch of picks for him just a year ago, and it just like hasn't worked out whatsoever. So he's potentially going to be on the move. And notice he did not play, I believe, in Wednesday's game against Boston. Now, I don't know if that means anything. Najee Marshall didn't play in this. I don't know if it means he's getting traded or not. In general, teams don't tend to hold guys out. They play them, and then if a deal's coming close, they pull him and don't play him like the remainder of the game. That has happened. I can't think of one instance, actually, where a guy was like sat and then traded the next day when we didn't know about the trade beforehand. So DeJounte Murray... You know, is interesting because he's the big name out there, right? This is a guy who's known as a good defensive guard, has good size, is a good rebounder, six foot five, and is shooting the three ball pretty well and can be a lead guard for you. And in general, it feels like the Pelicans could use more like lead guardness to them. 21.4 points per game this season, shooting 37% from three on six attempts. So here's the thing. 
It doesn't make sense, right? Murray doesn't make a ton of sense for a team with Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, and CJ McCollum. And I would assume you'd need to trade one of those guys for him. Maybe not, you know, but it seems like you you would need to. And that's a little clunky, a little bit weird to me here. So how does that really work out? But say you can't, or say you don't need to trade one of those three guys. Why not do this deal? If you can get him for so cheap, you should probably do it. So I think the Pelicans calling about Murray is more to do with kind of like bargain shopping. We've seen some of the reported offers out there for him. No team is offering two first round picks for him. The Lakers are offering basically trash in one first round pick, right? They're not including Austin Reeves in a deal. If you can beat the Lakers offer and get him, you can flip him later potentially for more assets. His contract is absolutely fantastic. So I'm wondering if the Pelicans talking to the Atlanta Hawks about Murray is more just like, hey, we could probably beat almost any offer you're getting. We'll offer a little bit more. You get him out of the East. You send him to us. There you go. Problem solved. And I wonder if that's just kind of like smart shopping in a sense by David Griffin and the New Orleans Pelicans. They kind of see an opportunity to get a good guy cheap. You can probably then flip him this offseason if you really need to for more. You're adding assets that way. I think that would be really good. You know, if you trade Jonas Valanciunas for him, I think that's a little bit clunky. They could do that, you know, but... I don't know if that's the move that you really want to go because now you're kind of retooling your roster. You're going to be playing Larry Nance Jr., Cody Zeller, all your center minutes with like maybe five minutes for Zion. Not great, but you could probably get by by adding more talent on if that's the case. And then you can really get aggressive this offseason with making some moves. It makes sense. And so from that perspective of just forward thinking, you know, deal with it this year when you're probably not a title contender anyway, go and make that kind of move. Let me know what you think about DeJounte Murray here in the comments on YouTube. There's almost 300 of y'all in here hanging out with me. So let's do a bonus part of Locked on Pelican. So we're going to end the show normally. You're going to hear me wrap the show up. And then we're going to stay live on YouTube. We're going to get into your questions. So start to put them into the chat here in a second. And we'll go for a little bit longer. It's getting late. It's after midnight, though. Um, So we'll talk for a little bit longer here. I'll answer your questions in the chat. This is the part of the podcast that ends for the people listening on audio. Okay. So hold on a second here. Stay with me. So thank you all so much for listening to Locked On Pelicans. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, the number one Pelicans podcast. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Tell a friend about the show as always. I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Be back with you all tomorrow to make sense of the NBA trade deadline and everything that happened or didn't happen. See you all next time.